the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to take us back to a period of time before the Civil War. Now, of course, the Civil War, as far as context is concerned, was fought between 1861 and 1865. And there were many causes for this war, many reasons why they were arguing. But the main reason they argued was the long-standing disagreement over slavery. And so they have this battle between the North and the South. The battle lasts for four years. 620,000 Americans die in that battle. Eventually, the North wins and four million slaves are emancipated. But before any of that took place, before the bloody war was fought, back when slavery was wrongfully and immorally legal in the southern states, there was a secret underground railroad where blacks and some whites worked together underground to help slaves gain their freedom. It is estimated that the 50 years before the Civil War, from 1810 to about 1860, that 100,000 slaves escaped using this clandestine network known as the Underground Railroad. One of the heroes was a woman of the Underground Railroad. One of the heroes was a woman by the name of Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was a wife, she was a mother, and she was a daughter. And she was truly one of America's superheroes. Harriet Tubman was born into slavery in East Maryland sometime around 1820. And in 1849, when she uh, was about 29 years of age, her slave owner died and she escaped from the plantation. And although she was illiterate, she returned to work as a conductor in the Underground Railroad. She personally was able to rescue over 70 slaves and never failed a single rescue. She was nicknamed Moses by those who knew her. Because like Moses, leading the Israelites to freedom, she worked tirelessly to set her people free. Now, when the Civil War begins in 1861, Harriet Tubman joined the Union Army as a nurse. She eventually worked as a scout and as a spy. She became the first woman to lead 150 black Union troops in June of 1863 
in a raid in South Carolina to help rescue 700 slaves. When asked why she worked so tirelessly and sacrificially, I want you to see this quote. She said, I had seen their tears and sighs, I had heard their groans, and would have given every drop of blood in my veins to free them. Now, when I read that line, who do you think I thought of? I thought of Jesus, because Jesus didn't just say the words that he would give every drop of blood in his veins to set us free. He actually did give every drop of blood in his veins to set us free when he died upon that cross 2,000 years ago. Now, whenever the Bible talks about Jesus setting us free, as it does in Luke chapter 4, it's talking about setting us free from the sins that bind, setting us free from the sins that blind, setting us free from the sins that destroy, from the sins that condemn, setting us free from the sins that haunt us, setting us free from the sins that divide us. And I want to go on record here today, and I want to tell you that I hate, and I know that hate is a strong word, but I hate the fact that from the beginning of our nation, that slavery was a part of the fabric when this nation was founded. And I hate the fact that it wasn't just at the beginning when our nation was being formed that slavery was acceptable, but that for the first 100 years of our nation's history, that slavery was accepted up until the Civil War. And I hate the fact that even after President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation liberating slaves in the Confederate States, and after the 13th Amendment of the Constitution was approved in the year 1865, which abolished slavery in the entire United States, I hate the fact that for the next hundred years, from the 1860s to the 1960s, that African Americans were still not treated as equals and forced to endure the effects of racism and discrimination in every area of life. And I hate the fact that after a hundred years after slavery was abolished, that a 42-year-old woman in the winter of 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama, got arrested because she couldn't sit in the front of the bus simply because of the color of her skin. And I hate the fact that even today, 244 years since the birth of this nation, 155 years since the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, and 60 years since the Civil Rights Movement began, that still today, that racism and discrimination still exist in this country, that we still have many damaging consequences from systemic racism in our country today. And for the record, you've got to understand, said all that to say this, that prejudices and unequality and discrimination among races, it goes all the way back to Bible times, all the way back to your Bible. Except then the battle was not between blacks and whites. Then it was the battle between the Jews and the Gentiles. 
Back then and even today, you're either Jewish or you're Gentile. And for some reason, there is something in our fallen, sinful DNA ways that we as humans have a difficult time seeing and treating all people as equals. I want to share with you four things that I hope that you will never, ever, ever, ever forget. The first point is this. Heaven will be a diverse place. You might as well get used to it right now. The Bible says, and this is Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible says when John got a glimpse of what heaven is going to look like. This is, a, this is a picture of what heaven's going to look like. He said, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven. And it says that from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language, will be standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. That's what heaven's going to look like. It is so silly. I want to say stupid, but they tell me it's rude to call people stupid. So I say silly. But it's so silly, stupid, to not get along here on this earth with one another when one day we're going to spend all of eternity with one another in a place called heaven. I want you to picture heaven in your mind. Just, just, just look that Jesus is going to be there. And all the way around him are, are going to be a multitude of people that too many people to even count. And they will be there from every tribe and every tongue and every language and every color and every nationality. And together we will be worshiping and praising Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. It will be a rainbow of color around that throne. It will be a rose garden of color praising God. It will be a kaleidoscope of color worshiping Jesus. And the beauty and the unity of different people coming together is the real proof of a transformed life. Our church, Shepherd Church, now if you don't go to our church, you wouldn't know this. But if you go to our church and you walked in here, it looks like a rainbow in this church. We have approximately a fourth of our church are Latino, a fourth of this church are Asian, a fourth of this church are made up of African Americans, and about a fourth of this church is made up of Caucasian. There is no other church that reflects heaven as much as this church. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I want you to write this down in your notes. In the United States of America today, there are over 300,000 churches in America that today are still just one color. It's either all white, all black, all Asian, all Latino. And you know what I call that? You can call it status quo, but I call it sad. Because our church's mission, not just our church, but every church, is to go into all nations and to reach all people. Our calling is to reach every corner of this globe and to reach every corner of this city. And I am grateful beyond words, and you should be as proud as a peacock, because when you attend Shepherd Church, you're helping make this church a church that truly reflects what heaven is going to be like. Amen and amen. Number two, write this down. Jesus came to break down the walls that divide. That's why he came, was to break down all the walls that divide. 
You know, there have always been walls that divide people, and I say this, always. Satan in John 10, verse 10, came to steal, kill, and to destroy, and one of his main weapons in Satan's arsenal is division and strife. I was thinking about all the ways that we are divided. We are divided politically, we are divided racially, we are divided economically between the haves and the have-nots, we're divided morally, we're divided emotionally, we're divided educationally, we are divided relationally, some of you are married, some of you are single, we are divided spiritually because some people believe that we're justified by works and some people believe that we're justified by faith. We are divided people, we live in a divided nation. And yet the Bible says, I want you to see these words in Galatians 3.28, the Bible says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what I learned from that verse is even though we're different, and we are different, I mean some of you are Jews and some of you are Gentiles, We're different as far as gender is concerned. Some of you are male and some of you are female. Some of you are the haves and some of you are the have-nots. But in Jesus, we are all just one family in Jesus. Galatians 3.26 says that you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Our faith, it's our faith in Jesus is what unites us here together. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and I want you to see, actually see in the Bible how Christ came to break down the walls that divide. So Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 14. It says, for he himself, that's Jesus, he is our, he's our peace. He has made the two one. And he has destroyed the barrier, what's called the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh, that's when he died upon the cross, Abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and its regulations stop right there. As you go back to the church in the New Testament, if you looked out in the audience, you would see sitting in the chairs or sitting on the bench or sitting on a pew, you would see sitting next to each other, you would see a Jew and you'd see a Gentile sitting right next to each other. Now the Jews in that church were people of Jewish descent who had followed the Old Testament with its rules and its regulations. And they came and they reached a point in their life where they concluded that Jesus was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament passages, scriptures that they'd studied their whole life. They reached a point where they realized that Jesus was in fact the Messiah and they became what we know today as Jewish believers. They're still Jewish. They're always going to be Jewish, but now they're Jewish followers of Jesus. And sitting right next to that Jewish man was a Gentile. Who are the Gentiles? Well, these people just started showing up in church. They're not Jewish. They don't follow the Jewish customs. Never studied or followed the Old Testament. They're Gentiles. They they might be Romans. They might be Corinthians. They're from Asia Minor. They're like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, a Gentile who decides that he's going to follow Christ And so right in church, you have sitting there side by side, you've got Jewish people and Gentile just sitting there in church side by side. And one of the most common problems and dangers back in the Bible, there came certain teachers and leaders and people who told the Gentiles that were sitting there, you're not really saved unless you start following the Old Testament customs beginning with circumcision. The Gentiles were actually told, you're not saved 
until you start following the Old Testament code and the Jewish rules and regulations. Now, if you read through the Bible and you read the book of Galatians or you read the book of Romans or you read this book called the book of Ephesians and other passages, Paul, the apostle, makes it crystal clear that a Jewish person is saved when they put their faith and trust in Jesus. And a Gentile man is saved only when he puts his faith in Jesus. And Paul says that when a Jewish person who puts his faith in Jesus is saved, and when a Gentile man who puts his faith in Jesus is saved, that the wall that separates them, that barrier of hostility is torn down. There is no demarcation. There's no division. There should be no strife, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. I want to go back and look at these three verses in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who's made the two one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And look at verse 16. And in this one body to reconcile both of them, Jew and Gentile, to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. What Paul wants us to know, now watch this, that as a Jewish man, as he looks to the cross, that as the Jewish man looks to the cross, and as the Gentile man looks to the cross, that God makes peace with the Jewish man, he makes peace with the Gentile man, and when the Jewish man makes peace with God, and the Gentile man makes peace with God, the two of them also make peace with one another. I know if some of you think this sounds impossible, but putting your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone should tear down any barrier that may be dividing us. Point number three, quickly. If Jesus came to tear walls down, which he did, if Jesus came to tear these walls down, then who are we to put those walls back up? There is something in our carnal nature. I believe, I think that all of us have certain prejudices, certain preferences that we can't help but compare ourselves to others. You know, if you're educated, you see yourself as being superior to those who are uneducated. If you're wealthy, you might see yourself as being a superior to those who are less fortunate. And I even know people who are poor who see themselves as being superior to those who are successful. People think if they're born a certain skin pigmentation, it's just natural to think that your certain skin pigmentation is superior to someone else's certain skin pigmentation. And you can call that whatever you want to call it but it's racism. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as better than yourselves. We're to consider others better than ourselves. Listen, the most difficult thing in this world is not to consider others as better than you. That's really, I, I mean, you can do that. That's not that hard. The most difficult thing in the world is to be mistreated and wronged by someone and for you 
to look beyond their sin and to see your sin of harboring ill will. The whole idea of the cross is that as you look to the cross, that Jesus forgives you of your sin and you take that forgiveness that God bestows upon you and you use that same forgiveness and grace to forgive others who've sinned against you. I've learned over the years that you and I, we accept, we do this. We accept God's forgiveness for our transgressions in a New York minute. But as soon as someone offends us, as soon as someone mistreats us, we just construct a wall, and that wall constitutes that we are superior to them. This happens all the time. You need to understand, Jesus came to break down all the barriers. Who are we to put those walls back up? In the book of Galatians chapter 2, it's an interesting text to look at, but Paul is writing all this, and Paul wants to go have a little heart-to-heart chat with Peter, because Peter's all messed up in his thinking. Now, you got to remember, Peter was the one in Acts chapter 10 that God had to wake Peter up and let Peter know that the gospel is for all people. And about 10 years later, guess what Peter started to do? Peter started to resurrect some of those barriers that God was trying to tear down between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so Paul had to get on his case. He said when Peter came to Antioch, which was a Gentile town. Antioch is a Gentile town. And Peter went to Antioch. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Next verse. He said that before certain men came from James, he, Peter, used to. He used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, the James gang arrived, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group, which are, which, are, which are the Jewish people. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Verse 14, the next verse, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile. You're over there having barbecues, and you're throwing lawn darts, and you're watching the NFL football game. You're out there chilling with the Gentiles, and you're not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And the next verse says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile, quote-unquote, sinners, Paul writes, we know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Paul is telling Peter what I'm trying to tell you here today, that if Jesus Christ came to break down the walls that divide, who are we to put those walls back up? I want to let you in on a little secret. I believe this. I think that all of us, I don't care what your skin color is. I think all of us are guilty of certain prejudices and racism in some form or in some fashion. And if you want to know the secret to overcoming racism, the secret to overcoming prejudices of any form, you need to read Isaiah chapter 52 and chapter 53 and see what 
Jesus did on the cross for all people. Isaiah 52, verse 14, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance, Jesus was beat so bad, whipped so bad on the cross, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. He did that for all people. The next verse says, Isaiah 53, verse 5, the Bible says that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He did that for all people. The next verse, we all, all of us have, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own ways, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. He did that for all people. And the next verse I'll show you is verse 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of of many and made intercession for transgressions he bore our sin he did that for the red man he did that for the yellow man he did that for the black man he did that for the white man he did that for the brown man and if there's a purple man out there somewhere he did that for the purple man as well oh i want you to hear me today don't take your eyes off the cross never forget what jesus did on the cross he died to break down the walls that divide, to bring us peace with God, and to bring us peace with one another. And point number four, look at this point, if you will. When the world sees us lovingly care for all people, then the world, they, will see Jesus. And the opposite of that is true. If the world never sees us lovingly care for all people, they will never see Jesus. But when you and I lovingly care for all people, it's then and only then do people see Jesus. We hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.